turned it on. <laughs> welcome. We'd like to welcome you here today, and we would welcome our online congregation also today. Y'all, today is another day that the Lord has created. Yes. And we get the honor to come in and rejoice and be glad in it. Yes. Right? Amen. Amen. Um, I wanted to, I was reading this week, very popular psalm, Psalm 23. Probably most of us can quote it word for word. And as I was reading it today, I find it hard getting past the first verse of that. And I'm just, I'm going to read it here for you today. The Lord is my shepherd. You realize what that means? He's a personal God. He is your shepherd. He's not your mama's shepherd. He's not someone else's shepherd that you're riding on the coattails. He is your shepherd. And the very next line says, I shall not want. Well, that actually translates to, I have everything that I will ever need. He is a shepherd that has provided us with everything that we will ever need. And church, I'm telling you, if you don't have any other reason to praise the Lord today, you can praise him for those two things. That he is your shepherd and he has provided you everything. He is all sufficient in all situations. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes. Yea, though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, y'all, I've always equated that with death. But when you look at the translation there, it means any hardship. He leads me through any hardships that I'm going through. I will fear no evil. There's nothing I have to fear. Greater is he that is in me than, than he that's in the world. For you are with me. He's right with you at all times. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I don't know if you know anything about shepherding, but the shepherds used to carry two sticks. One was a long staff that you usually see with the crook den, and the other one was a smaller stick that they would use to gently guide. The large staff they used to, they could actually grab onto the sheep and move around as they needed, but the small one, they would just tap them to keep them in line. And this was a comfort to them because they trusted him. So his rod, and his staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It doesn't just fill to the top. It isn't half full. It's running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. If you read that, it's chasing after you. It's not just walking behind you. It is chasing you. It is coming for you. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Is God not a good God? Is he not a provider of all things? Has he not been more than sufficient for all of our needs? I'm not talking all our wants. 
sufficient in all our needs. You know, and as we go forth today and as we speak over ourselves and over our congregation, our faith statement, realize we're giving back to Him and we're making a declaration that He is all sufficient. Yes. So join me today in our declaration. And if you want, would, let's stand. When we're giving a declaration, where we're going into battle, we don't go sitting down. If you're able, let's stand. And let's shout it out like we mean it. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything. Not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Well, you know, because God is all-sufficient in everything, it also means our finances. Now, I know you can say, well, I don't know. If you look at my checkbook, it doesn't seem to be all-sufficient. But He is a provider. And He will provide your finances. Again, we have to make sure we're not going after what we want. It's what we need. So as we speak today over our finances, we declare Him all-sufficient in our finances. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And church, there are three ways you can give. You can give here today. We have baskets set up for that. You can give online or you can mail into the church your tithes and offerings. So as we prepare ourselves to go into worship today, let's prepare our hearts and minds with that mindset that we are worshiping the God of all sufficiency. All right? Hallelujah. Let's praise him into praise today. Come on. Is he worthy this morning? Has he been good to you? Come on, he is worthy of every praise. Come on, get that hands together. Come on, he is worthy. Come on, let's tell him. Every. every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise is to 
Be 
because we love him. Say my Jesus.
ever be on my lips. Make that promise to him today that no matter what's going on, you're going to praise him. He's been so good to us. and bad. Lord, I will praise you.
Jesus, we love 
just worship him. Just worship him. feel like I need to ask this if you're in here and maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart or maybe you're in here and you felt yourself just been pulled away from him you're not serving him like you used to I'm just gonna ask right now if you want to come to this altar it's as simple as believing that he died for you, that his way is the best, and then confessing with your mouth, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I just want to live for you. It's that easy to be made into a new person, to be set onto a different path, to start doing things his way and not yours, to start trusting him instead of trusting only in yourself, to start believing that he's got a better plan for you than what you've been doing yourself. And to be filled with such hope, such peace, and such unconditional love that you've never felt before. That's the difference. That's what living for Jesus is versus just doing your own thing or trying to believe in other gods or good vibes or Buddhists or Hinduism or energy from crystals or whatever. You know, there's so many things out there. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you believe in Him, John 3, 16, for God's loved the world that He gave His only Son, whoever believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. You know, we'll die in the flesh one day, but the Word says to be absent with the bodies to be present with the Lord. If Jesus is Lord of your heart, listen, you got heaven to look forward to. So right now, I want us to sing it again. And if you can't honestly tell Jesus that you love him, 
that you, you understand that he died for you and all that you have is because of him. If you can't say that, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and just make him the Lord of your life or renew that relationship. Listen, I've tried it the other way. I was a preacher's kid. I tried it my own way. I tried it knowing good and well what the truth was. Nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing, nothing and no one compares to Jesus. There is nothing compared to the peace that you instantly feel when you just make him Lord and begin to trust him with all of your decisions and with your life. There's nothing that compares. So right now, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you just want to renew that relationship or if you just want to worship him more, I want to invite you to come close. Come up, let's get together. If you want somebody to pray with you, they will. If you just want to do it on your own, that's fine too. But tell somebody what you did today. Come on, let's sing this morning, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. I just invite you to come up here. Oh, how we love you. Yes, that's right, Patrick. Make him the Lord of your life this morning, buddy. Just make him Lord this morning. A heart to Away the old things, let's say old of past. The old things have passed away, but your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Yes. And things that we thought were dead. Breathing new life. Breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest night. Come on, for all that you've done. For all that you've done. Jesus, you love him. Ask for his forgiveness if you need to. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Yes, we do. You are the one of hearts adore. Come on, if you're hopeless today, he can give you hope. Let's say that. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans now have. Come on, you're in the family of God. 
one more time. The hopeless have found their hope. The hopeless have found their hope. Come on, he wants to give you that today. The orphans now been good to you today? Has he been good to you? Did anybody give their heart to the Lord today? Come on, be bold, raise your hand or rededicate your heart. Let's look right here. Look right here. Come on. There's a party going on in heaven right now. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your salvation. Thank you for saving these precious souls today, God. Thank you for anyone that renewed their relationship with you today, God. Lord, set them all on your path of truth. Show them the better way, God. Help them in every decision that they make, Jesus. Let your word be real to them, God. Let them feel unconditional love and peace and joy. 
Lord, we thank you today, God. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you. Come on, look at somebody say, Jesus loves you, and so do I. Y'all can be so nice to see everyone here today. It is a pleasure to be here this morning. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss Children's Church. We are going over in that corner over there. Just follow my finger. With the lady in the blue shirt. Lady in the blue shirt. You are taking about five kids. Good luck. Just kidding. All right. Well, I don't know if it hit you today, but worship to me was just amazing. Uh, some of you may not know, but I was not a Christian majority of my life. 
Um, I'm actually fairly new. Uh, but before I came, became a Christian, what is it? Um, whenever I first moved here, I'm not originally from here, but I moved here a couple, moves, uh, a couple years back. And I had severe anxiety, severe depression. I'm talking I had at least three panic attacks every day. I wanted to die. Like, it was awful. Um, that was, like, the lowest point of my life I've ever been um, because I put my trust in the world, right? So I was kind of just floating around. I didn't have anything to anchor me and to be solid with my life. So without that and me just, oh, well, it's just kind of willy-nilly, kind of everything's just every chaos 24-7. And so because of that and because of my mindset, I was just at a dark, dark place. And then when I became saved, I realized I finally had that anchor that I needed to bring my life to where it needed to be. So I want you guys, if you're not saved, I'm not saying that I was instantly healed. Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm good. That took time. It's not just something that happens overnight. Um, although it helped me being saved and, and changing my mindset, uh, <laughs> that takes time. And it takes knowledge. And it need, I had Saya um, to kind of lead me and, and show me the truth because I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I didn't come from any type of religious background. Um, so if you're not saved... Really, I want you to do some research. Find a mentor. Um, even if you're older, find a friend, right, that can lead you because you're not alone. And be- the reason why I was at this lowest point in my life, I, f- I was alone. I felt alone. I didn't have anyone. So I was just like, eh. I guess I'll just be in this hole by myself then. But other people can help you bring you out of that hole, right? All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of like damn in the mood, but hi, good morning. Let's wake up again. Let's bring it up. And we're going to bring Pastor Charlie up. He has some announcements to give. Everyone, a round of applause. Thank you, Serena. Church, I want to advise you of an awesome opportunity that you have that we have in this church and that this community has. And it's called the evangelism team. And we're gonna be starting a team in this church. And now when I say we're starting a team, we're not going to send you out with unprepared or say here, just take a Bible and go to somebody. We will train you. You will be taught the proper way. Now, I have never been a huge evangelist especially door-to-door things. I'm more of get them in and I'll take them from there. But you know what God's showing me? We don't have anything to fear. When we go out and do God's work, he's the one that does the work for us. We just have to carry it out. So I want you to really consider, and if you're online, consider it too, joining our evangelism team. We will be going out. This is Crossroads World Outreach Center. Okay, if we're not doing outreach, we're going to have to change our whole name. Okay? Um, There is a sentence on the PowerPoint. I don't know how many of you have caught it. I'm assuming it's still up there. It says, discipleship is everyone's responsibility. You do realize that, right? It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not always someone else's responsibility. It is your responsibility. God has gifted you in some manner or fashion to be an evangelist. 
Now, you may not have a huge team. You may not go on the circuit and go overseas. But you know what? That's just one part of evangelism. Evangelism starts in your home. It starts in your workplace. It starts with your friends and those that you know that are close to you. But it also means we do have to go out and interact with the world and interact with strangers. Because just like Serena was saying, she was alone. She needed someone to carry that light for her to her to let her know, hey, there's someone out there who cares. And if we don't tell them, who will? And we can say, well, someone else eventually get to it. Do you know that? If God's giving you that assignment, you have to pick that assignment up and take care of it. If you read the Bible, everywhere there is only one place in the Bible where evangelism was given to someone other than man. And that is in the end times and revelations when there was an angel who will go throughout the earth declaring the gospel. Everywhere else, it's our duty. God has assigned us. Jesus came. He assigned his apostles. They assigned groups, and it has just spread out from there. So I really want you to hard consider being part of our evangelism team. There's going to be fun in this, too. It's not all going to be dreary. You know, we're not going to take you and hide behind a bush and make you go up to somebody and ring the doorbell. We're not doing ding-dong dash, okay? So just really consider it. We have a sign-up sheet out there on the Welcome Center. If you could, please sign up. We will be having a meeting very soon. Like I said, we're going to um, empower you. We're going to give you the tools and the resources that you need. And the other thing is, you'll never go out by yourself. Jesus did not send his disciples out by themselves. We're certainly not going to send you out by yourself. So put that in prayer and really see what God lays on your heart to do. The other thing is, uh, you've seen it up there. You'll probably be getting notice in the mail soon. We're having a welcome luncheon for Pastor Asai and Pastor Serena. That is going to be July the 25th. It is going to be a covered dish supper here, or dinner here right after church on the grounds. The old-fashioned, you bring what you normally would bring for a covered dish, whatever you want to bring. There's no specifics that you need to bring. The church will provide a meat, but you're welcome to bring whatever you want, okay? Also, this will be casual dress-down day. Come comfortable. Shorts, T-shirts, come casual, okay? We're going to have a time of fun and fellowship, all right? God bless. Thank you all. Hello, 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 everybody. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're happy to see him. Do y'all know what would be an awesome summer miracle? If one Sunday I came in and y'all were all sitting up closer to the front. That would be a summer miracle. Y'all heard of Christmas miracles? That would be my summer miracle. If next Sunday I came in here and everybody was closer up to the front. Summer miracles. We believe in miracles. <laughs> Oh, well, good morning, everybody. Um, Bradley, will you pull up the image for me? Once again, the Cool It Project. We talked last week, and I was very encouraged because on Tuesday, literally Tuesday of this week, Miss Melody brought me the report, and we had already gotten $3,000 in by Tuesday for the Cool It Project. 
And that's awesome. You know, our goal is 40000 We are believing the Lord for that. Um, continue to pray on what you should give. But also, remember, get it out to your workplaces. Get it out to your jobs. It is a tax write-off. And businesses love to give to churches, especially in the South. All right? Because it's the good thing to do to a lot of those people. So, you know what? We're going we're gonna to play on that goodwill. And, you know, we're going to let the Lord provide. So, we are still pushing for that. That is what we are aiming for is $40,000 to repair our AC units. And give it up for Bethany for that cool graphic. I love that graphic. The little man up there. Like Bob the Builder or something. Um, all right, Bradley, you can pull up my PowerPoint, please, sir. All right, well, before we get started today, um, I just want to comment and make sure that we're keeping um, families in prayer in this church. In the past month or so, we've had four dear families in this church lose a loved one. So we need to make sure we're keeping each other in prayer, reaching out to one another, but also giving each other space. All right. Yes, we need to be reaching out to one another, but if you're just being over the top, please just give people space. Everyone mourns differently, and we just need to be sensitive to how they are mourning and not rushing the process or slowing the process. All right, let's just let people mourn the way they need to mourn as they bury loved ones. But I want you guys to know, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to embarrass you or bring up anything. We love you guys, and we're praying for you guys, and we're always here for you guys. If you need anything, please let us know, and we are here for you guys. And we love you, and you guys are valued members of this congregation. All right. Love you guys. Um, all right, well, today we are, we're starting in part two of order. I didn't even, even want this to be a series, but the more I would look at the world, the more I'm just heartbroken over things that are happening, especially in the church today. And the Lord laid it on my heart. You know, if Crossroads is to move forward, we have to be in the proper order. We have to be in the proper order before the Lord, before we can move forward. And I mean, we're... <laughs> y'all... The thing is, people, people think that like, I'm trying to be like the holiness police and I'm like on everybody and everything, but I'm not. It's just no other pastors are talking about this right now. And if no one else is talking about it, well then I guess it falls on this young 24-year-old man to say something. And yo, this is uncomfortable for me majority of the time because I don't want to be talking about, oh, get your life in order, get your life in order because I'm still working on it too. It's like I'm not pointing fingers saying I'm 24 years old and I have everything figured out. And so for me to talk about these heavy things in society, gender roles, oh my gosh, that's one of the heaviest topics in society. And for us to even deal with this, is, it's uncomfortable for me, and I'm getting attacked left and right from people just for standing on what the Bible says. Have I ever said something that I didn't give y'all scripture reference for so far? I've given y'all scripture after scripture after scripture for you to delve into yourselves. Why? Because this is not my opinion. And I literally have other Christians attacking me on some of these topics. And I said, this isn't my opinion. This is the word of God. And y'all, listen, I read about eight commentaries every time I study a passage to make sure I'm reading the right thing. Because just because someone wrote two pages on something doesn't mean they're right. So we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for him to guide us the right way. So listen, you're only going to be offended by this if you choose to be offended. The spirit of offense has grabbed this nation, held it down, and beaten it up. It's time for the church to loose itself of offense. And if we are going to move forward as crossroads, if we are going to move forward into what God's called us to do to impact this community with this evangelism team is step one of what we're moving forward into, we have to make sure that we are free to move into what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. But first, we have to let go of offense and bitterness. We have to move forward in freedom. Because there's freedom in this place. Yo, there was so much freedom in worship today. And I praise God for the salvation we saw today. Yeah. Praise God, because you know what? When one happens, the floodgates open, and we're going to see a lot more of this. Right? Because the Holy Spirit's moving, and that is proof that the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. And that, hey, y'all want to see a miracle? You just witnessed one. 
That's the first miracle of many. Amen? Amen. And I'm, I'm so excited for what the Lord is going to do in this house. All right. We were created to bring order through marriage and creating families. Well, Pastor Josiah, why do you say that? Because Genesis tells us. Let's read. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seeds. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for the every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given I have given every green plant for food, and it, was, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. We were created in the very beginning of time to bring order to the earth through marriage and creating families. And it's right there in Scripture for us. Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. What is that? That's marriage, bringing male and female together. Genesis 2.24, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. The order of marriage. One man, one woman. Hot topic. We're not going to get into it. I've dealt with it. I'm not going to continue to deal with it. Because scripture is so clear, and I'm not going to fight people on this. I'm not going to fight people on this. One man, one woman. And we're not fighting over it. That is what scripture says. That is how we were created. And you know what, y'all? I have a lot of feelings that are outside of scripture, but you know what I do? I conform my thoughts. I conform my feelings to Scripture. That is what we are called to do. Before I was a believer, I didn't really give much care about anything. I was just doing my own thing. I didn't care how people lived. But now that I, I claim to believe in Jesus Christ, I am called to conform my thoughts and emotions and my feelings to the Word of God. No matter how uncomfortable that is for me sometimes, that's what we are called to do. To be fruitful and reproduce and to become one flesh. This, this is marriage. One man, one woman to be fruitful and to reproduce and to become one flesh. Do you know what I just desire to see in this church? Just so many healthy marriages. I desire that so much for this body. Kevin and Chrissy, I desire to see you having such a healthy marriage when you guys do get married. I long for that. I long to see you guys, sorry, Kevin, I love that smile. Um, I long to see you guys thriving and happy. This is one of the main reasons that I even had this inkling to talk about marriage. Because I long for this church to be filled with healthy, strong marriages that are in the order of God. The picture of the order of marriage is to be a physical picture of Christ and the church. We're going to get into a passage in a minute. And listen, we're not even going to deal with that many passages today. So I'm giving you all a little bit of a break from the homework. Divorce is on. Listen, and y'all, this is hard because right now, if you look at, if you look at statistics, divorce in the church is about equal with divorce in the world. The divorce rate in the church is about equal to the divorce rate in the world. But what does Jesus tell us in Scripture? Jesus says divorce is only allowed if sexual immorality has been committed or physical slash mental abuse is taking place. And we in the church have to reinstate those vows of for better or for worse, but also men or women, women or men, if you are being abused in your marriage, let me tell you something, Jesus never meant for that to happen. Jesus doesn't want you to be mentally or physically abused, ever. He loves you. You are his child. 
So first off, if that's happening, please come to me. And second off, we need to seek help because that's not, that's not acceptable in any type, form, way, or shape. And also sexual immorality. And y'all, you know, the more I study scripture, sexual immorality isn't just adultery. It, it goes deeper. It's, if, if a spouse is addicted to pornography, that's also sexual immorality. We, we have to be aware that we cannot categorize these things. But when scripture talks about sexual immorality, that's very fully encompassing. And y'all, these are hard truths we, we have to grapple with. But the passage that we're about to dive in is Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And we're really going to outline the gender roles within marriage and family. But this is the passage everyone hates. And it's this word submit. Everybody hates that word. People, and the first thing when I tell people I'm a Christian, oh, you believe women should submit? And it's like, y'all, it's not like that. When people understand Scripture in the right way, it's not even like that. And we're going to look at Scripture because the first three, y'all, and this is the problem, this is the problem, people don't read full passages. They take one verse out of context and they build this whole thought process without realizing that this passage holds women to a standard and then it holds men to a higher standard. And we can't get confused. Oh, Pastor Josiah, you're a man. You can't hold a woman to a standard. I'm not the one holding you to a standard. The Holy Bible is the one holding you to a standard. I did not write the Bible. I keep telling people this. People get mad at me. Josiah Hodge did not write the Bible. Just to make that clear, okay? I did not write this. I simply believe this. Verse 22. Follow along with me. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Pause. What does that say? What, what, what does the latter part of that verse say? As to the Lord. You're not, you're not submitting to your husband because he's some grandiose authority. You're submitting to him out of obedience to the Lord. Why do you submit? Because you respect and you obey the Lord. And what does the Lord say? Submit to your husband. First and foremost, this is to the Lord, Christian women. This is to the Lord. Verse 23, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Pause. Men, some men take that, oh yeah, I'm the head of the house. But what does the latter part of that verse say? As Christ is the head of the church, what did Christ do for the church? He laid down his life for the church. He loved the church more than his own life. So before we get carried away thinking, yeah, I rule my wife, read the rest of that verse and hold yourself to a standard. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing, listen, 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 I'm sick and tired, especially in the South, of seeing males in the church take this passage and mentally abuse their wife. Because this passage has been distorted to give males free reign to do whatever we want to do. And to hold our wives to a standard we don't even hold ourselves to. And I'm tired of it because marriage is 100 and 100. I'm sick and tired of people holding each other to standards not even they themselves are pursuing. He is the Savior of the body. What are they talking about? This is Christ. He's the Savior of the body. Who's the body? The church. This is, this is a comparison of Jesus to the church. It's a picture of marriage, comparing marriage to Jesus and the church. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Do we understand? Do we see that parallel? Are we a church? Do we submit ourselves to Jesus? I would sure hope so. Or otherwise, we're not a church. But if we are submitting ourselves, women, ladies, Christian women, this is a picture of how you should submit to your husband. Now, we're going to deal with the fact that these are, this is talking about Christian husbands. We're going to have to deal with that in a fact that it breaks my heart to see a lot of you women in here without your husbands. That genuinely breaks my heart. 
And we as men need to do better. We do. Verse 25. And here we go. This is where men are held to a standard. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus doesn't force himself on anything. Jesus doesn't force you to follow him. He sets a standard and sets an example for you to follow. Husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And if I, I don't know a higher standard than that. I don't know a higher standard for men to seek than to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the, blood, by the word. Y'all, that's talking about baptism. It's talking about Jesus and the example of baptism. Why? Because his bride is going to be holy when he comes back. So husbands, what does that tell us? We are to lead our wives in the word of God. We are to set the standard of holiness in our households. Verse 27. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Man, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more manly than having your household in order and having your wives and children pursuing holiness and to be blameless before the Lord. There's nothing more manly than having your household in order, but in the order of God. Nothing more manly. There's nothing more manly. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. Men, what does that say? If you love yourself so much, you just want to do whatever you want to do all the time, how about do something your wife wants to do sometimes? I'm just being honest. Literally, for some reason, especially here in the South, men just get free reign to do whatever we want to do. And don't worry, women, I'm going to talk about y'all too in a minute. But men, right now we're dealing with men. Because I'm a man, and I'm holding myself to a standard. This is us. Am I a man? Yes. So therefore, I'm speaking to myself. I want y'all to understand, anytime I give any type of teaching or lesson, I'm talking to myself. Because I have to do better. I have to do better. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, that is those who are in the right mental state, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church. Amen? Amen. Men, do y'all see the standard? Do y'all see this standard that we have to hold ourselves to? Is anyone else convicted every time they read the Bible? Who else? Who else is convicted? I'm convicted all the time. I'm convicted all the time. Men, we are to love our wives as ourselves. That is such a high standard. Since we are members of his body. Whose body? Christ's body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Listen, 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 listen. Young people, everyone, this is why it is so dangerous to sleep around in your youth. Because when you create that, y'all, and listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Guess what? I'm guilty of that. In my youth, before I got saved, I did a lot of things I'm not proud of, and this is one of them. And you create these type of bonds with people you were never meant to have. And you are stuck in bondage in your mind of the past of things that you did. Young people, please, spare yourself. Older people, if you're single, please, spare yourself. Save yourself. Y'all, I'm about to cry up here because, ah, I have so much regret of that. Y'all, the Lord is still working on my heart about those things. But don't do, don't do it to yourself. Don't create that bondage in your heart and in your life when you become one with more than one person. Why? Because then you can't fully give yourself to another person. And then you're broken up into increments and pieces and you're just lost. Please, spare yourself. And if you are guilty of this as well, repent and he will forgive you and just move forward. Move forward. He will forgive you. He's a loving and good God. Verse 32. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Listen, verse 33 sums it up. So if people would actually read a whole passage, they wouldn't be so mad. I'm telling y'all. Verse 33. 
to sum up, I don't even know how much more clear it could be, to sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Uh, psychologists did a study on men and women, which proves, y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, society is lying to you. Men and women are so different. We are equal. We're equal. But we're so different. We are so different. And the statistic came out that more than anything else, women crave to hear their spouse tell them that they love them. And for a, for a functional woman in this study to live a happy, successful life, her husband needs to tell her at least 10 times a day that he loves her. When they polled men and they did a study on men, it was respect. So I guess the Bible had it right all along. Hmm, who would have thought that the Bible had it right all along? But men crave respect. We crave it. We desire to know that we're doing a good job. And honestly, in the garden, I think that's why Adam did what he did partially when he bit the fruit. He just wanted his wife to be proud of him, to know that she respected him. And we even see it in the garden since the beginning of these traits of humanity in males and females. We see it since the beginning. But if you're married, husbands, please tell your wives you love them more than once a day. Please say you're tell me, tell me you tell them once a day, please. If you don't, I'm worried about you. But second off, women, please respect your husbands. We, we crave that more than you know, speaking from a man's perspective. If we come home from work after a long day, just be like, hey, I'm proud of you. Good job. Thank you. But sometimes that's all it takes. And husbands, when your wife is taking care of your screaming baby, like currently is happening in my life, tell them how good of a mama they are and you love them. Because my wife is with that baby 24-7, and I, I'd lose my mind. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. I love that baby to death, but boy, he has a sweet baby 10% of the time. I'm just playing. <laughs> Listen, yeah, little me for sure. Listen, this is the word, this is the word, and this is, this is it right here. Complementarianism. This is what we believe in this church. Men and women are equal, but created for different roles. Men and women are equal, complementarianism. Men and women are equal, but created for different roles. Listen, this has nothing to do with the workplace or, or profession. This has to do with the order of family and marriage, Okay. Listen, I believe women should have whatever job they want in the workforce. And you know what, husbands? If your wife has a better job than you and makes more money, just praise God for that. <laughs> listen, listen. This is, has nothing to do with what the world is saying this is about. I believe, I believe, you know, if a woman wants to be president, run for president. I don't care. That is not even what we're talking about. And listen, the reason y'all want to know why I'm saying this? Because so many of y'all dig into things I didn't say. Do y'all understand this? Oh, well, Pastor Josiah didn't say that. Exactly, I didn't say it. So don't assume something. This is why I made that clear, because I don't want some of y'all thinking, oh, Pastor Josiah is sexist. No, I am not. I'm not. I'm a very healthy feminist, thank you very much. <laughs> Did y'all notice how I said healthy? Christ is the head overall. They're still speaking about marriage. The husband is the head of the household, but listen to this. The wife is the backbone of the household. The wife is the backbone of the household. Amen. Amen? Amen? We get it twisted so easily sometimes to think that just the man does whatever he wants. No. Hey, without, without a spinal cord, what is the head going to do? The wife keeps the husband up straight and focused and pushing towards goals. Your wife is your teammate. Your husband is your teammate. Both are to submit to Christ as the true leader of their marriage. Did you hear that? Christ is the true leader of your marriage. Not you, not your wife, not your husband. Christ is the true leader of the household. So both of you, 
are to submit to Christ first. Both of you. You want a healthy marriage? Both of you submit to Christ first. Before Serena and I got married, you know what I prayed? I said, Lord God, if this isn't your will, take her from me. Y'all know how hard it is to pray that when you're engaged to somebody? Knowing that very well. Y'all, the Lord had taken some toxic women out of my life before. You hear that? My auntie can attest to this. When I was, leaving, when I was living way outside the order of God. Y'all, we got to lay it before Christ first. That is where a healthy marriage comes from. The order of family. We're going to deal more with marriage within this, obviously, because I'm praying that families have married couples leading them. And if not, it breaks my heart to see so many kids with single households. And I was actually talking to my neighbor the other day, and she's a, she's a single mother. And I said, Jess, you have no idea how much respect I have for you after having a child. I already respected single mothers, but after having a baby, I could not imagine raising a baby on my own. I, I don't even know how people do that. I don't know how that strength comes out of somebody. But I pray to God that there are healthy parents leading households. Christ is the head overall of the family. And the, the, way, the way I love when people explain it is it's, it's kind of like a, it's an umbrella, right? So it's, it's four umbrellas. It's Christ here, the father under Christ, the mother under the father, and the children under the other three umbrellas, right? So as the father pursues Christ and submits to Christ, he has a covering over him. And then as the wife submits to the husband, she's also submitting to the Lord. So not only does the wife have one covering, she has two coverings over her. And we're going to deal with the fact that women are not made less than man. Women were actually giving an extra hedge of protection when it comes to men, and we're going to deal with that in a minute. And then the children have three hedges of protection when they obey and submit to their parents. Why? Because Satan's after the children. If he gets to the children, he gets to the future. So I love that analogy of the, of, well, the four tiers, but the three tiers covering children, two covering the wife, and one covering the husband. Let's deal with some passages. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. I don't know how much more clear these passages can be than they're so straight up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Yeah, Harrison, Dakota, you hear that? <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> now nah, y'all are good boys, I'm just playing. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Y'all, I'm going to tell you early on, early on, if I wouldn't have gotten saved, y'all would probably be dead by like 27. I was not about to live a long life. I'm going to tell y'all straight up. Verse 4. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I've seen this happen two ways with verse 4. One, husbands, don't be so overly righteous you don't let your, your children be human beings. Your children are going to mess up. Your children are going to mess up. So don't be so overly righteous and holy that if your children mess up, you lose your ever-loving mind on them. By why? What does it say? It says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Don't, don't be overly harsh on them when they mess up, because it's going to happen. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But I've also seen this happen vice versa. For someone who doesn't care, someone, for a father who's not a Christian, and deals with really heavy anger problems and beats their children. Don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. Fathers, that's all of us. Everyone here who is a father, this is for us. Children, those first three verses are for you. Anyone, listen, if you are, if you are a single person and you live with your parents, you are technically their child still. You live under their authority. This is for you. Respect your parents. Obey your parents. Colossians 3, 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your... There's that word again. Wives, don't get mad at me. It's right here. Wives, submit, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Why are you submitting? Because the Lord. You are obedient to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Husbands, be careful the way you answer your wives. I'm going to be honest. I've seen some of you answer your wives and I did not appreciate it. Do not, y'all hear me? 
Do not be bitter with your wives. What does that mean, y'all? Listen, Scripture clearly says a calm word turns away wrath. I don't care how mad you are. And y'all, I've had to work on this too because I have dealt with extreme anger problems like my entire life. And the, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing God cares about every single time you respond to your wife. And I'm not going to lie, I failed two days ago. I responded to Serena very harshly and I automatically felt so sick to my stomach because I knew that was so out of the order of God for my life with my wife. Husbands, we have got to be careful the way we answer our wives. I don't care how angry you are. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. It's funny how both these verses talk about that, right, dads? How we have to be careful the way we answer our, to our children and the way we respond to our children. Because listen, 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 listen. The best way to show the love of God is to be a loving father. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying let your children do whatever that world they want to do. That is not what I'm saying. But when your children mess up, show love. You screaming and yelling at your children, listen, listen, listen. How many times has God forgiven you for being stupid? You probably couldn't even count. Probably 500 quadrillion times. That's not even a number. I made it up. You're welcome. Listen, that's how many times God has forgiven you. Forgive your children. They're going to mess up, especially us, especially us young fellas, y'all. Sometimes we lose our minds. Be patient. Be patient. Because that love, could, that could guide your children back to the cross rather than away from it. All right, here we go. We're going to get into some of these standards we have to hold for ourselves. Husbands and fathers, you ready? This is for you. First, you submit to Christ. This is the standard, all right? You are to love, lead, protect, and provide for your wife and your children. Listen, if you are not making more money than your wife, that's okay. That's not even necessarily what providing means. Providing can mean a lot of different things. We just get so caught up on the money aspect. All right, and like I said, if you're making good money and your wife is even making even gooder money than you, I said gooder, ha, that's terrible. Making better money than you? Be happy. That's a blessing from the Lord that you guys have that financial stability. Why? To give back into the kingdom of God. It's a purpose. There's a reason for that. You are to teach your children about life. First off, about life. Y'all, teach your children how to do stuff. Whether it's unclogging a toilet or something, simple stuff. Teach your children life lessons. Because, y'all, I'm telling you right now, this generation coming up, they don't know how to do anything. Literally, y'all, they don't know how to use a microwave. All you do is press a button and press start. I'm, I'm serious with y'all. Parents are not teaching their children the basics of life. Fathers, and listen, majority of men in this place are very handy. Like, you guys are super good at fixing stuff. Teach your children those traits. It's going to come in handy when they get older. Simple. It doesn't always have to be spiritual. Just be a dad. Just be a dad. He teaches his children about life and the word of God and what it means to follow Jesus. Fathers, we have to do this. And especially as the times are drawing near and the world is getting worse and worse, we have to teach young men. And that, that even means, that even may, if you don't have children or your children are already grown men, that means you being a spiritual father to a young man. Taking someone under your wing to really teach them the things of the Lord. Because now more than ever, they are being indoctrinated by everything around them. More than ever, we have to teach our children the word of God. First off, not just to tell them, but to show them. Because there's a lot of people in churches who know the word of God like the back of their hand, but they don't practice it for a lick. We have to be walking examples of Jesus before our families. Men, it's time to step up and become the spiritual leaders of our households. Me and Brother C.E. were talking about this, y'all. It's time. Like I said, it breaks my heart to see a lot of women in this church whose husbands don't come with them. It is time, men, that we step up. And you know what? It's the manliest thing we could ever do. It's the manliest thing. We could. You could be the toughest MMA fighter. You could be Conor McGregor. You could be the toughest man in the world fighting in the ring. But if you don't lead your family to the Lord, you are no man at all. And that's a fact. It's a fact. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's a fact. 
Men, we have to strive and fight for purity. Do y'all hear me? We have to, first of all, we have to strive for purity. We have to fight for purity. Because men, you know what? We're defrauded by what we see. We're defrauded by our eyes. The world has lied to us. It is not manly to sleep with many women. It is one of the most childish and selfish things we could ever do. Why? Because you only have yourself in mind when you do those things. It's selfish. You don't care about the needs of anyone else when you're in those moments. Pornography is killing the men of this world. It's turning men into animals, y'all, and that's a straight fact. Did y'all know other countries blame the U.S. for, for pornography spreading to the rest of the world? Other countries hate the men of America because of that. I'm telling y'all right now, how do y'all know? How do I know? Because I have a lot of missionary friends overseas who, ha- who are literally being blamed for, for pornography entering the world. Did you know in India the, the rate of rape has gone up 72% in the past 10 years because of pornography? It's turning men into animals. There's no more standard. Men, lust, lust is the opposite of love. Lust is the opposite of love. Why? Because first off, you're not thinking of anyone else when you're lusting. You're only thinking about your own desires. You're not thinking of anybody else. Lust is the opposite of love. If we are living in a life filled with lust, then it is impossible for us to truly love God and to truly love our wives and our families. It's not possible because we're living contrary to love. Men, we were not made to rule over our wives and families as dictators. It's just that was never how God ordained it. And listen, we're about to get into the spiritual aspect. We are the spiritual leaders of our household. The contrast is to a priest in the Old Testament. Do you understand that when a priest was selected to go into the tabernacle, they had to go through, I think it's 20-odd rituals of cleansing themselves, purifying themselves. And why, did, why were they chosen to go into the tabernacle? On behalf of the children of Israel. Fathers, we are called to be the priest of our household. If we are not living in a place of purity and holiness, God is not going to listen to our prayers for our families. Do we understand that? It's a contrast. We as fathers, as the spiritual leaders of our households, first have to purify ourselves and be in a place of righteousness before we beseech God for our families. Listen, priests in the Old Testament, their entire lives were devoted to this. We as fathers and husbands of households are held to the same standard. And then not even that, y'all want to know something harder? We are held to the same standard as Jesus loving the church. We are meant to walk as Jesus amongst our families. I don't know of a higher standard than this. We are to lead our families into a place of holiness and righteousness before the Lord. And men, you want to know something that's amazing? You're not doing this by yourself. The other men in this church are here for you. And we're all striving towards the same goal. But you know what that means? Some of y'all need to come out to men's cube we have on Sundays. I see a good bit of men here right now who don't come. Anybody, oh, Pastor, how dare you call people out? Because I love you. Listen, one of the worst things I could ever do as your pastor is never talk to you directly. And just sit here and be like, oh, we're growing in numbers. That's amazing. But never say anything to you personally. All the men in this room, I want to see you at Men's Cubed. I want to see you there. Why? Because I love you. And I want to see you be stronger for your wives. I want to see you be stronger for your families. Because we are called to a higher standard. Husbands, your wife is your teammate. Your children are a gift from God that you are called to steward and raise in righteousness. Listen, Psalms 127, 3 through 5, talks about how children, a man who has children in his youth, is like a man who has filled his quiver with arrows. Why? Because your children are an asset to you. They're a gift from God. You are called to steward. Why? Because a lot of people are seeing this. In your old age, they will, they will care for you. They will take care of you. Children are a gift from God. 
Wives and mothers, this is probably where we'll get tense. And y'all, women, please don't beat me up after this. Please don't gang up on me and beat me after this. Wives and mothers, you are to submit to Christ and therefore to your husband. Do you see that? First off, it's Christ. And why do you submit to your husband? Because of Christ. Because you submit to Christ. You are to support and respect and help your husband while leading alongside him. It's a team effort. We weren't meant to do life alone. You are to comfort, teach, and nurture your children. I don't think anyone's going to fight me on that. I think that's pretty clear and simple from Scripture. And I, I think that's beautiful. Listen, I, I know it's awesome. I have an amazing mother. Y'all know that. I have an amazing mother. But to see my wife growing is such an awesome mother. It's such a beautiful example of the gospel. Such a beautiful example. As my wife cares for my screaming little baby, how many times have we been that way towards God and God just picks us up and loves us and wipes us off and cares for us? It's beautiful. Women, you should take pride in that. Like, that is so beautiful. And once again, I'm not talking about workplace or profession. I'm talking about your Christian walk. And y'all, we're about to deal with something that's been happening since the beginning. But listen, 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 listen. The enemy is after women. Who is the target? They're females. And we're about to deal with this because if he can get to females, he gets to everything. Listen, the target of females. The enemy has been gunning for women since the beginning. Did you notice that he went for Eve instead of Adam? Genesis 3, 1 through 5. He's been gunning for females since the beginning of time. Why is Satan after women, even since the beginning? Because if he can manipulate and distort the role of the woman in the order of the earth, he manipulates and distorts everything. Without women who want to get married, you have no wives. Without women who want to have children, you have no children. Satan attacks the order of God that is upon women because he knows if he can disrupt the order. Hello? Is it on? No, we're good? I was, like, I was like, what in the world? It dropped. Then he can cause disorder and opens the door for dysfunction and destruction of marriages and families. And women are like, oh gosh, that's a lot of responsibility. But guys, it's true. Without a woman, you can't have a wife. Without a wife who wants to have children, you have no children, therefore no families. And what is the enemy after? He's after the order of God. He wants to... He wants to cause disorder, which opens the door for dysfunction and destruction of marriages and families. Women, you are so valuable to the order of God that he puts an extra hedge of protection over you guys. Women are not placed under men as if they are less than men. They are actually so important that God put men in front who, listen, are supposed to be the spiritual and physical protectors because the enemy is gunning for women. And we're about to deal with the fact that we, we see it so easily in our society today. Why? Because, y'all, this new form of feminism is a trap. This new form of feminism is not the true feminism that arose in the early 1900s for women to have rights to vote and to work. This is not the same feminism we see today. This new form of feminism does not care about the rights of women. It doesn't. I'm telling you right now. It only cares about ruling over men and destroying the structure of the family. Y'all do understand this. You see it in the mission statement of the, um, the Black Lives Matter movement and in the feminist movement and LBGTQ. They want to destroy the structure of the nuclear family. What does that mean? They don't want there to be normal families anymore. They want to destroy the order of God for families. This is in their mission statement. You don't believe me. Look it up. I'm not speaking blindly here. Look it up. This new form of feminism. Listen, I told you, I'm a very healthy feminist. I stand by women. I stand for women. I believe that the Bible is the most healthy feminist book in the world. It has liberated women like no other book ever has. And we see this, young women and older women, please understand. We've seen this since Genesis 3.16. The Lord said, 
he said to the woman, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And we see this and we're like, oh God, you, you made women less than men. No, he was putting a hedge, hedge of protection over women. And y'all, we see in society today that we have a lot of spineless men. I'm just being honest. And the wives rule over their husbands like nobody's business. The man doesn't talk. He's quiet. He just lets the wife rule over him. But scripture clearly states that was never the way the order of God was meant for the church. I'm talking about the church. He said an order. Why? Because even Serena even just said in her testimony a while ago, there was chaos in her life. And she was in bondage to so many things. Why? Because there was chaos. Why does God give us order? To protect us. The order of God is a protection over us. The devil is trying to deceive women just like he did in the garden. Hey, don't fall for it. Men and women, don't fall for it. The same temptations he's giving, he has always given. Don't fall for it. Christians, we're stronger than that. We have the authority to stand against such things. Listen, don't let society tell you who you are meant to be. Don't let society tell you the role you are supposed to have. If you're sitting in this building and you consider yourself a Christian, don't let the world tell you what to do. Don't let it tell you what to be. We are meant to conform our lives to the word of God. Parents, you have the authority over your children. They do not have the authority over you. Children, you do not have the authority over your parents. If they tell you what to do, listen. Take your rightful place as the authority in your household. And y'all, I'm telling you, I worked in childcare for a long time. I saw how some of these parents run their households. Take control of your household. Get your household in order. We as Christians are given the authority first to reinstate authority in the church, second in our homes. Reinstate authority in your home. Children submit, this is what children are meant to do, submit to their fathers and mothers, and therefore learn how to submit to Christ. Therefore, the lead of the father and mother, they follow the lead of the father and mother, and love, obey, respect their authority. That is the natural order of how God created it. Listen, parents, your children are being indoctrinated by the world every day of their life. I'm telling you right now, you may even think some of the cartoons are simple, but they're not. Everything has a subliminal message, and you have to be careful. Listen, the Roman government, Rome, right? We've all heard of the Roman Empire, right? The sun never sets in the Roman Empire. When they would conquer a people, when they would conquer a people, they would enslave the adults, but do you know what they would do with the children? They would adopt the children. They would put the children in academies to be raised as Roman citizens. They would destroy their path. They would destroy their thought process of family. And they would become, no matter, if they, no matter where, the Germanic peoples, the African peoples, it doesn't matter. They were raised as Romans. And they were taught to be Romans. Parents, Caesar, the government, wants to turn your children into Romans. They're trying to indoctrinate your children. They want to turn your children into the same standards that the world has. Why? Because agendas are being pushed, concepts are being pushed, and atheism is being pushed pushed. Now more than ever, parents, we have to be careful. The enemy is gunning for children. If he gets the children, he gets the future of humanity. Now more than ever, we must teach and train our children in the word of God. Amen. Now more than ever. Now more than ever, we must teach and train. Did y'all see how I said and train? Yeah. And train. Some of y'all's children are going to be pastors and evangelists if you let them. Some of them are going to be missionaries, but if you train them, if you allow them to be trained and to know the word of God. Amen. And some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Josiah, I've been in church for 30 years. This, this, this is no news to me. Everything you said is no news to me. But do you understand there's a church arising that will never speak of any of this? Yeah. 
There's a church, a church arising in America that will never deal with the order of God, that will never hold Christianity to a standard. Do you understand that? Guys, look at the churches around you. All these cute little churches popping up in these church, these side buildings, everything. They are not preaching the word of God. They are preaching a me-inspired gospel. They're not preaching you're a sinner in need of a savior. They're preaching you're just good enough the way you are. You're fine. Jesus just loves you. Don't change your life. You're okay. So Pastor Josiah, why talk about these things? Because, you know what, maybe you need a refresher in your life. But maybe some of you in here have never even heard this. But I'm telling you, if we, if this church is to move forward, we have to reinstate order in this body. First off, in this church, but you have to reinstate order in your homes. This is not a Sunday type ministry. Do you hear me? We can't come in here on Sundays and be living like crap the rest of the week. This is not a Sunday type ministry. We are striving for a standard of holiness that the East Coast has never seen. Not in appearance, but in the posture of our hearts. That starts with your home. That starts with your marriage. That starts with your children. Amen? That starts with us. So while you've heard this before, I don't care. It needs to be said again. Paul even said, Paul even said, I'm coming to you with the same things I have every single time. And you know what? Don't, don't get, don't get you know, bored with it, but strive further in it because there's more truth to be found in the word of God. So as we move forward, let's get our houses in order. And what does this say? And listen, write the scripture down because I really want you to be pondering because guess what? The believer has authority. Believe it or not, we have authority. The church has the authority to reestablish order first in the church, second in the home, and third in the world. Amen? Amen? Write this down, ponder this, because y'all, I'm telling you, we are still, listen, we're what? This is week six. This is, our, this is my sixth Sunday as a senior pastor. I am still laying the foundation for us to grow on. But first, we have to be in the correct order in the will of God before we can move forward. And I, as your senior pastor, could not sleep with myself if I did not establish this. If I was not preaching healthy homes, healthy families, before I was preaching anything else, I would not be content with myself. And listen, I'm, I'm going to share a dream I had last night with you guys. I don't ever do this. I don't ever share my dreams unless they are so real I can't even believe it happened. But I'm going to share a dream because there's breakthrough happening in this ministry if we keep pushing forward. All right, I'm going to share you. I don't do this lightly. I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, every dream has a meaning. No. But I'm going to tell you what happened in this dream, y'all, because I literally thought I was awake. I could literally feel the heat in this dream. Listen to me. In this dream, I was in my office. And like I am, I'm usually by myself in the evening in my office, okay? And y'all, this is horrifying and so awe-inspiring. But out of nowhere, y'all, I was literally in hell. I was literally in hell. I saw the fire, I saw the flame, and I literally saw Satan. I literally saw him, and he is burning by himself. He's screaming, cursing God, all these things. And he turns and he looks at me. And boom, I cut back and I'm back in my office. And I hear him calling, come back. This is Satan calling me, come back. So I start walking through the church. I'm looking for other people like, what just happened? What am I doing? And there's no one in the sanctuary. And I hear the voice fading, fading, fading. Come back, come back, come back. Why? Because if Satan can get to the leader of the church, he gets to the church. And he's calling me, come back, come back. And as soon as I step outside this building, I see hundreds of children playing. They're all outside on the playground. They're running around. I walk in the activity center, and there are people from this community filling our buildings. What does that tell me? Satan is already defeated. Y'all, listen, our Bible is sealed. What does the end of Revelation tell us? He's already lost. We've already won. 
This church is tearing down the strongholds, and the further we move towards the Lord, the quieter his voice gets. The weaker the chains get. And we are breaking forward into a new season. And y'all, I woke up out of that dream breathing so heavily. Why? Because I thought it was real. I thought I was awake. So what does that tell me for this church? We're about to enter a new season where we radically impact this community. Not because we're following a hype, but because we are following the Holy Spirit to a new season. And you know what? I want y'all to stand up with me in authority because we're about to pray. And we're going to pray moving forward. We impact this community like no church ever has. And that we see, I'm telling y'all, a thousand salvations. We saw one today. We got 999 more to go. And that is exciting. Why? Because now the ground has been broken for us to move forward. Do y'all understand when I say a thousand souls? Y'all see we just saw the first one happen today? So what should that cause us to do? Move forward with expectation. Actually, Brother Mark, I want you to come pray for us. I want you to come pray for us in authority. Here, you know what? Grab, grab that mic right there. God, and we're believing what Pastor Josiah has said, Father God. We're in full agreement with him right now, believing what he has said. God, we know, we know that you're up to something great. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're up to something great, Father God, and we know that there's a new season. We know that there's a new season, and just like you sent Moses to go get the people out, When they came out, Father God, and they were running and they were going to the promised land, some just did not want to go. Some wanted to go back to the old ways, but Joshua continued to take them to the new ways. So, Father God, we come right now, and we are believing by faith, Father God, that what Pastor Josiah saw will come to fruition. Father, we believe by faith that right now, Father God, that the people who are lost, they shall come home. Father, we are calling out right now to the city of West Columbia, to Columbia, to all the lost souls. We are calling them out right now in the name of Jesus. Depression must die in the name of Jesus. Addictions must die right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, families who are split apart, they must come back together in the name of Jesus. Lost children who have been running away shall come home in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against this house shall prosper. Because my Lord Jesus Christ is an overcomer. He died on the cross for each and every person in this room, each and every person in this sanctuary, each and every person in this community, each and every person in the city of Columbia. They are coming to know Jesus Christ. And Father God, I pray and ask for every person in this congregation under the sound of my voice here and on the E family. Father, I pray and ask that right now, Father God, that the Spirit of God will rest heavily upon them, Father. And as Pastor Tim used to say, that the very residue of the Holy Spirit shall be upon them. That the very residue that every person that they come in contact with, they shall be blessed. I pray and ask that every person that they come in contact with shall know that there's something different about about these people. 
So God, I just pray and ask that right now, Father God, that the very the Spirit of God shall rest heavily upon this place. I pray and ask that when people come into the sanctuary, God, I pray and ask that there's such a cloud of anointing that is on this place, Father God, that people, when they come in, the lame shall get up and walk. I claim that the lame shall walk, Father God. I pray and ask that the demon possessed shall be free. And God, I just see, I see that just like Pastor Josiah saw the children outside, I see children. I see children helping lead families, leading dads back to Christ. I see children leading moms back to Christ. Saying, Mom, I don't know why. I don't know why, but we need to go to church. So God, I pray that's for the children of this community. I pray that's for each and every one of your children. I pray that's for your grandchildren. I pray and ask for your great-grandchildren that they that the Spirit of God will be upon them because I feel just like Pastor Josiah is saying, something is up. God is up to something great. And if it starts with the children, Father God, if it starts with the children, then let it be, Father. But God, right now, Father, right now, I pray and ask that every spirit of addiction shall be broken in this house today. Spirit of pornography, spirits of alcoholism, cigarettes, drugs, whatever it may be, I pray that addictions may be just drop. They just drop because you are in their lives, Father God. So God, I just pray and ask that as we leave this house today, Father God, that as we leave this house, we will leave changed. As the old song says that no person will leave here like they came in Jesus' name, I believe that. I believe that no person will leave here like they came in Jesus' name because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so as we leave this house today, I pray that we just don't leave and say, I love you, brother. Great to see you. I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> that we leave and we go out and we anoint. We leave out and go anointed. And then when we leave out, that people will see the very presence of God resting upon us. That we leave out changed. Not the same, but change. But because to go to a new season and to go to a new level, things must change. Old things must die. Old people must die. Old habits must die. Because change is about going to a new level. It's about going to a different season. Pastor Josiah, I love you, brother. I love the word you're bringing. I know you're my nephew. I know you probably say, everybody says, oh, he's biased. No, I love what you're doing, man. I love what you're doing, brother. I love what you're doing. God has got you here for a season. You're here for a season. You're doing something that nobody else is doing. And when you do something else that no one else is doing, the enemy's going to fight you harder than ever. He's going to fight this church harder than ever. So get ready. Like he's been saying all along, let's go to battle. Every time we pray on Sunday mornings, he says, let's go to battle. That's right, church. Get ready to go to battle. Lace your boots up. Put your backpacks on. Get your weapons ready, your sword and your spirit. Get your Bibles ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because God is going to do something great. God's about to do something great. But it starts each and every one of us. I love you. Pastor, I love you. I love what you're doing, brother. I love each and every one of you. Now go out changed. Don't be the same person. It's easy to walk out and just say, I'm changed. But now do something about it. Be a doer. Be like Nike says, just do it. Amen. Hey, let's go to battle. Let's go to battle. Come on, it starts here. We go to battle. Amen. We love you guys. We hope to see you guys next week. Um, I'm excited for what the Lord's doing. Once again, please remember your church family in prayer. It's never easy to lose a loved one, expected or non-expected. Please pray for your family. It's a new season. It's a new time. This is week six. I can't wait to see what God's going to do by week 12. 
I love you guys. One soul down, 999 to go. Amen. Get food. All right, food over in the activity center, guys. Would, would those of you on the outreach team, would you please wave your hand? Outreach wave team, your wave your hand. hand. Just wave your hand. When we go over at the activity center to get the food, I want you to look at some of these people on this